0: Hello, and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share with you a word about the Master of the Table as I comment on verses from Luke chapter 22. Let's begin by reading Luke 22, verses 7 through 13. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in, and ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went, and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover." I read a story once about a state trooper who was pulling off an expressway near Chicago. When he turned onto the street at the end of the ramp, he noticed someone at a fried chicken place getting into his car. The driver placed the bucket of the chicken on the top of his car, got in, and drove off with the bucket still on the top of the car. So, trying to be a good Samaritan, The trooper decides to pull him over and perform a community service by giving the driver his chicken. So he turned on his lights, he pulled over the driver, he walked up to the car, he pulled the bucket of chicken off the car and offered it to the driver. The driver looked at the trooper and said, No thanks, I just bought some. We all have our favorite meals. It might be Thanksgiving dinner, it might be a grilled steak, it might be Fried chicken. As we think about Jesus and how he is the master of everything, today we will see he's the master of the table and we'll see a meal that he anticipated greatly. A a meal that showed he truly is the master of the table. As we uh, began reading in Luke 22, beginning in verse 7, what we see is the master prepared the table. From the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was in control. He came to earth with a specific mission to save sinful humanity. He went where he wanted to go. He did what he wanted to do. And he was pursuing the mission that he wanted to pursue as the savior of the world. Nothing he did was an accident. Everything he did was intentional and done with a purpose. Now, Jesus prepared this table in a unique way. Now, we see him telling Peter and John, go into the city, see a certain man, tell him a certain thing, and actually, what it is, follow this guy into a building. It's like, what's going on with this? So, this was at least a prophecy of what was going to happen. And it was a true prophecy, but really it was a miracle. He, through, the, through his uh, connection with God, through the Holy Spirit, through being God himself, had gone before and prepared the way for these disciples to prepare this meal for him and his other followers. Jesus was showing his true nature here. He is God and he is in control. In John 14, we read that Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the father. He said, believe in me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And we see that here. Jesus was in God. God was in Jesus. And they did a work here that was or Jesus did a work here that was amazing. He sent Peter and John into a place where there's no evidence that ever really been before in this kind of a situation. And they prepared the table, the place for this Passover. This was a work of Jesus that truly showed his divinity. And he used something as simple as a meal to show his mastery of everything. Now, let's read verses 14 through 18. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. We see here that not only did the master prepare the table, he also enjoyed the table. He enjoyed the fellowship around the table. He was breaking bread with his friends. It was an act of intimacy. It was an act of fellowship. Remember, uh, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. God wants to have fellowship with us and he wants us to have fellowship with him. And sharing this meal was an act of fellowship. It was an act of family as well because he loved these men and they loved him. When we uh, come into salvation through Jesus, we become a part of the family of God. We become part of the children of God. We are uh, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Christ becomes not only our Savior, but He also becomes our brother in the family of God. But I think also what we see here is that Jesus was starting to anticipate the fact that His mission would soon be complete. He came to have this fellowship extended to all people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, he knew he had to suffer and bleed and die before this was going to happen. And he was, I think, beginning to be glad that this was finally going to come about. It's like looking forward to a championship game for a football team or or looking forward to uh, maybe presenting something that you have trained for, like a, a choir presenting a Easter cantata or a Christmas cantata. Or, or in a way, soldiers actually looking forward to deploying to do the actual work that they had been trained to do. Then also, we have to see that he probably was also enjoying the prospect of being with those who he loved at the table together later in heaven. We know that in Revelation chapter 9, we're going to see the marriage supper of the Lamb, and with all the the family of God is going to be gathered together. There's going to be a party in heaven, and Jesus in that party is going to celebrate with all the Christians of all ages, and all peoples who are in the kingdom of God are going to be invited to that banquet that's going to just be a tremendous cosmic blowout and he is eagerly anticipating that just like he enjoyed this meal how he was eagerly anticipating it there's going to be a marriage supper of the lamb later where we are all going to be invited who are part of the kingdom of God the question is will will we be there will you be there if you're in a family of God you can be now, let's continue by reading verses 17 through 23. Again, we read that he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the son of man goeth as it was determined. But woe uh, unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of, it, which of them it was that should do this thing. The master prepared the table and the master enjoyed the table. He also explained the table. The gospel faith needs to be an understood faith, and it is an understood faith. From the beginning, God wanted Israel to understand the truth. That's why he said to write his words on their forehead, not literally, but certainly figuratively. We should do nothing from routine or from ritual without understanding what it means. Psalm 47.7 says, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. First Corinthians 14.15 says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. We actually need to understand what we need to do to be saved. That's a prime reason, I believe, why God wants us to have believer's baptism rather than uh, infant baptism. Romans uh, 10, 14 says, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Fortunately, it's not too hard to understand since we all come to Jesus like little children. But again, Jesus here is showing his, mass, his mastery, his majesty, his control, his authority, his sovereignty. The Passover did not include these explanations. There were some traditional explanations that the Passover included, but Jesus was not going to be bound by those mere traditions. He was going to use this meal for his own purposes. And we need to remember what Jesus told his disciples uh, that Jesus' body was broken for our sin, that Jesus' blood was shed for our sin, and that only his sacrifice is effective for saving us. Finally, let's read verses 23 through 38. And they begin to inquire among themselves, uh, which of them it was that should do this thing or betray Jesus. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority Among them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at the meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at the meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations." And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto them, when I sent you without a purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then he said unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must be yet accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And he said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now, what we see here is that the master ruled the table. There is no family without problems. And we see that here. So in families, we often see rivalries and pecking orders, and we saw that in verses 23 and 24. Uh, We also see that sometimes there are children that think they know more than their parents. They forget they're not yet adults. We see that in verses 31 through 34. And then there are some times that children maybe they don't trust their parents like they should. We saw that in verses 35 through 38. Without a doubt, however, parents ought to be in charge. The inmates don't run asylums. Students don't run schools. Prisoners uh, shouldn't run prisons. The crew does not run a ship. The children shouldn't run a family. I remember very clearly at one time arguing, arguing with my mother and my father shutting me down by saying, don't you dare dispute your mother's word." My mom and dad were in charge of our family, and there is no doubt who's in charge at this table. Jesus was in charge, and he should have been. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's righteous, holy, powerful, and sovereign. And The question comes, though, is he sovereign over us? Are we allowing him be our Lord and our Savior. He is in charge and in the end of time he will be in charge whether we let him be in charge here on earth or not. Whenever we sit down to a meal, especially when we sit down to the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist in church, we need to remember Jesus prepared this table for us. Jesus loves to fellowship with us. Jesus wants to uh, remind us of what he did for us, and Jesus wants us to remember that he is our king, our lord of lords, and our sovereign. As I'm recording this, a new king is being um, uh, consecrated in England, and he will have rule reign over that country. Now it's a limited rule, but we have a king of kings and lord of lords that does not have any limitations on his power and authority. He was master of the table, and he needs to be master of our lives. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.